Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing today? You might see that I'm sipping water out of my brand new Christ Walk Church coffee mug. Available for $5 today, right after service. The water just tastes better out of that, I'm telling you. Just, man, it is good to see everybody. If you've got, uh, if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, um, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to um, the book of Psalm, Psalms. Um, so if you've got a, a, a real Bible like this, kind of open your Bible right to the middle and you'll probably be there in Psalms. And uh, we're going to land in uh, chapter 57 here in just a moment um, to read just one verse. I got a lot of verses that I'm going to throw at you today. Um, so this would be a great day to take notes um, if, you, if you do uh, maybe on your phone or um, pad and paper in a, in a journal or something like that. It'd be a really good day to take some notes. Um, so just go ahead and have that prepared, and then we'll land there in Psalm chapter 57 in just a moment. But before we do that, I've got to know, um, and you, you don't have to, to give me a show of hands in, unless you just absolutely want to, so maybe a bit of a rhetorical question this morning, just something for you to think about. But ha- have you ever wondered about your life before, like, like what's, what's the point of all this? Like, what's, what's the point of me being here and like everything that's happening or or maybe maybe you felt stuck in a rut just going through the motions of every day you know you wake up in the morning and you brush your teeth and then it's off to work and then you come home and you grab a quick dinner and maybe you catch the news and watch your favorite show and you get the lunches made for the next day and the kids to bed and then you collapse yourself into bed only to wake up in the morning and just do it all over again and day after day after day and you've come to the conclusion that surely there's got to be more to life than just this. Maybe you've searched for fulfillment and purpose only to just come up empty time and time again. I recently had a conversation with, um, with a guy that I'm building a relationship with and he's He's retirement. He, he's, he actually retired a few years ago. And um, he, he told me with, with tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, I feel like I've got so much to give, but I'm just not sure what to do with it all. Here's a man nearly 70 years old that for 70 years has searched for purpose and fulfillment, but just hasn't found it. He's feeling confused, he's feeling frustrated, he's lacking hope, and it's not just him, because as I look around, there's plenty of people all over the place that feel the exact same way. They live their lives the same way that he does, beneath that dark gray cloud that is uh, uh, ominously looming over top of their heads. Those people, you know them. They live right down the street from you in your neighborhood. They sit at the adjacent desk in your math class. 
You pass them in the grocery store while you're doing your shopping. They work in the office next to yours. And some of those people are even sitting right next to you in this room this morning. And this is precisely how our enemy, the devil, would have us live. But you and I need to understand that we've been called to live for something more. Today we're in part three of a series that we've called What's Next, where we're taking a look week by week at the four steps, the four pillars of the discipleship strategy that I laid out a few weeks ago as a part of Vision Sunday. And back in week one of this series, we talked about uh, what it means to know God. That's step one in our quest to uh, become true disciples of Jesus Christ, that we've got to know God and that, that knowing God is not based on religion. It's not based on reputation. Instead, we can know God through having a relationship with his son, Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the importance of finding community in our lives. And, and we discovered that community with others is what helps us to maintain our communion with God. And then today, in part three, I want to talk about that third step of our discipleship strategy. Know God, find community, and then number three, discover purpose. Discover purpose. Now, maybe you've wondered before, does God really have a purpose for my life? And the good news is, is the Bible tells us all kinds of things about God's purposes for his people. For example, God gave the entire people or, or the entire nation of Israel a purpose in Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, where he said this, Deuteronomy 6, 5, I'm not sure what's happening. Um, God gave the entire people of Israel a purpose in Deuteronomy 6, 5, where he said, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. There it is, awesome. So he gave that purpose to an entire people group, but it's not just entire people groups that God calls, that God gives purpose to. Even, he, he does it for even individuals. Consider Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, he gives Jeremiah an individual a purpose where he says this. He says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, this is Jeremiah. He says, I can't speak for you, I'm too young. But the Lord replied, don't say that I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. The Lord has spoken." Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Today, I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down. 
destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. That was God's direct words to the prophet of Jeremiah. So we see that, that he's, he's going out wide and he's, he's giving a purpose to entire nations and people groups, but then he's also zooming way in and giving unique and individual purposes to people one at a time. God has given each of us, all of us together, collectively a purpose. Very well-known passage, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God's saying right there, I know the plans I have for you. You've been appointed for something in this life. And then at the end of this passage, he gives us a a key, a tool to use in order to figure that out. He says, if you look for me, you will find me. God's not trying to play tricks on us. He's saying, I'm right here. You come and search for me and I'm gonna reveal to you the plan that I have for your life. And then Psalm 57, we're gonna look at verse two. You turn there. It's a very key verse for this morning. We can know the purpose in our lives simply by asking God. It says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. If we need to know our purpose, if you haven't figured it out yet, it is readily available. All we have to do is ask God for it and he will give it to us. He will fulfill it in our lives. See, God, he doesn't make mistakes. And since God made you, that means that you are not an accident. Each of us was created on purpose for a purpose. And so when we're talking about this word purpose, it's important for us to know just so that we're on the same page, like what what does purpose mean? What is it all about? Well, purpose looks kind of like this right here to me. Purpose is the area where our personality, our gifts, and our passion all overlap. So Our personality, our gifts, and our passion, they're representative of us as a whole. And so you take all three of those things, and then this part right here in the middle, that is where purpose really happens within us. That's the the part that that God has has placed inside of us. That's where it lives. It lives at the, the collision point of our personality, our gifts, and our passion. So personality, gifts, and passion, those are three things that we need to know or understand about ourselves in order to be able to discover the purpose that God has for our lives. So we're going to talk about each one of those here for just a minute, starting with personality, starting with personality. Psalm uh, 139 uh, verses 13 and 14 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. 
Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. God made each of us differently. You can look around this room. There is not one other person in this room that is exactly like you. Even if you are a twin or perhaps a triplet, there, there are differences in all of us. And that's a good thing. That's something to be celebrated Think about it. Life would be pretty boring if everyone were exactly the same. Unless they were like me, then it would be pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm kidding. Life would be super boring if everyone were the same. Like, consider that. Like, if everybody had the same likes and dislikes, like, that would put some cereal companies out of business. Some restaurants would close. If everybody had the same strengths and weaknesses, imagine some of the things that just wouldn't get done because they would be a weakness of everyone. God made us all differently so that we can complement one another, and that is the beauty of God's creation. Maybe you've heard the, the phrase or the statement, different strokes for different folks, right? That is, in a nutshell, God's creation. He created us all differently, on purpose, by design, for a purpose, so that we could come together and work together to fulfill his purpose for us in this world. But in order to discover what that purpose is, it begins with us discovering our personality. Are we introverted? Or are we extroverted? Show of hands, who's an introvert? Some of y'all introverts won't even raise your hand. You're like, "Mm, do I have to? (laughs) Extroverts. Yeah, you don't have to stand up on the seat. It's okay, we see you. We see you. So are we introverted or are we extroverted? Are we more in touch with our thoughts? Or are we more in touch with our feelings? How do we interact with other people? What is the lens through which we view the world around us? All of these give us insights and indicators into our personality. And you need to know there is no right or wrong here. It's simply just how God has made you. But knowing these things about ourselves will help us to see the role and find the fit that that God has for us, the role that he's called us to play within his body. And there are tools out there to help us discover this. Maybe you've heard of some of these. There's the DISC profile. There's the Myers-Briggs assessment. Perhaps you've taken some of these like in a workplace or some kind of like company workshop or whatever. Um, many of you uh, may have heard like there's a buzzword going around right now that, you're, that some people are like really, really into on this end of the spectrum. And there's other people that are like, what is that? I've never heard of it before. And it's a thing called the Enneagram. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've heard of the strength finders assessment. Some of you have probably read the book and even taken a test on the five love languages before. There are all of these tools out there that can help us discover who we are and how God has made us. And none of these tools are 100% foolproof, 
but they can serve us well in learning about ourselves and who God has created us to be as we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ through the mirror of his word. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how God has created us, we have to see how we measure up to this book right here, to Jesus Christ. But when we take a look at who we are and how God has made us, it helps us to understand how we can become more like Jesus. Our strengths and weaknesses, our likes, our dislikes, our skills, our abilities, our deficits, all of those things can help us see clearly who we are and position us to know who God has created us to be. So that, it's, it's not weird to know about your personality. It's, it's helpful, it's biblical, and it honors God. So first, if we're going to figure out the purpose that God has for our life, we need to discover who or how he has created us to be by knowing about our personality. So that's number one. Number two is our gifts, our gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, we talked about part of this last week. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Did you notice right here at the beginning, it says, God has given each of you a gift. You know that, what that each of you means? You look that up in the original Greek and it means each of you. Some of y'all get that on the drive home and it'll just like hit you all of a sudden. That means that nobody has been left out. God has given each of us a gift. Every single one of us has at least one and likely multiple gifts from God. And just as an example, you see this on display every single Sunday here at church. There are people that just have, they've got the gift of hospitality and they just make you feel welcome and loved. And, you know, they're, they're, they're people people. They're, or we would call them a people person. But you can't say that, I don't know, I'm confusing. They just make you feel welcome and warm and all fuzzy and everything. You just want to be around those people. They have the gift of hospitality. Maybe you've experienced that in someone's home. You go over and there's candles lit and there's a, a pot of soup on the stove and it smells delicious and there's chocolate chip cookies baking in the oven and they've got a big comfy couch and, you know, like, that's what I'm talking about. There's those kinds of people. On this stage, you see people that are gifted in, in singing or playing instruments or things of that nature. We've got people that are gifted in using computers, people that are gifted in uh, photography. We've got gifted teachers and speakers, and the list could go on and on and on. We all have gifts, and those gifts are the key to us finding the place where we fit within the body of Christ. We combine our personality with those gifts and then things start to gain a little bit of traction. We start to get to move forward a little bit. And in fact, the apostle Paul, he wrote about that at length in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the gifts that we have been given. He says, yes, 
The body has many different parts. Remember, we've all been created differently, and we are together a part of God's body. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You need to look at your neighbor right now and say, I need you. Now, turn to the person on the other side, the one that you gave second place, (laughs) and tell them, I guess I need you too. (laughs) Paul continues on a little further down in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. Note, this is not an exhaustive list. He says, here are some of the parts, not here are all of the parts. So here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. But you knew I was gonna say that, if that's your gift. Third, our teachers. Then those who do miracles. Then those who have the gift of healing. Then those who can help others, like wash the pastor's car. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What Paul is saying is that everybody is not the same. All of our gifts are not the same. So it requires all of us coming together, working in unison with one another in order to make the body of Christ function properly. The fact of the matter is, is that each and every one of you has a gift. And each and every one of you has a responsibility to use that gift to build the body of Christ. So when we're talking about discovering our purpose, once we learn about ourselves and our personality, the way that God has made us, and then we discover the gifts that he has placed inside of us, the things that we are good at, then we connect those two things with what we call our passion, And then that will give us an idea of the purpose that God has for our life. When it comes to passion, um, there's a pastor, he pastors a church down in Miami. It's called Vu Church. His name's Rich Wilkerson Jr. Some of you may have heard of him before, but um, he... In a a recent uh, message that I listened to of his, he communicated, he was talking about passion, and and he said it so greatly and so eloquently that I don't think I could even do it as much justice as as he did, so I figured I would just share kind of his thoughts on what passion is. He, He said that when it comes to passion, he kind of asked three questions. These are the questions that Pastor Rich said. He said, I asked, number one, what breaks your heart? 
What breaks your heart? So like when you look around at the, like, the world around you, what is the thing that just tugs on your heartstrings? What is the thing that you see taking place in the world that you would do anything to make better or make changes or whatever, that that is a good indicator potentially of where your passion may lie? What is the thing that breaks your heart that, man, I would do anything to see that that changes. Maybe it's like feeding the homeless, or maybe it's working with underprivileged children, or, um, you know, it could be anything. What is the thing that just tugs on you more than anything else that you would, uh, wrong, that you would like to see righted? Or something that you see that, that maybe it's, it's here at this level, and you say, I think that I would like to take that. I see value in that thing and I wanna take it to this level. It's just something that you get excited about. What breaks your heart? Number two, what would you do even if you weren't paid to do it? What would you do even if you weren't paid to do it? If I wasn't paid to be the pastor of Christ's walk, I would still be involved in ministry. You can't shut this big mouth up. I'm gonna find a street corner somewhere and just start talking about Jesus and you know, whoever walks by is gonna hear it. Like if I don't have this stage, I'm gonna go somewhere else because you just can't stop me. So even if I wasn't paid to do this, I would still be doing ministry. I would still be writing sermons. I would still be communicating the gospel to people. It's just something inside of me. What is that thing for you? What would you do even if you weren't paid to do it, right? This isn't just a job for me. Yeah, it helps to pay the bills and put food on the table, but I would do it even if I wasn't getting paid. Number three, what lights you up? What lights you up? You've seen this before. You've been in conversation with somebody. Maybe it's somebody you really don't know all that well. And all of a sudden the conversation just goes to a place and you see it happen. It's like their eyes become wide and their pulse starts to race. And then like they just, they, they just go, right? And you just can't get them to hush because they're so excited about the thing that they're talking about. What is that for you? What's the thing that a subject, when it gets brought up, that all of a sudden you're drawn in to the conversation? You've just got to be a part of it. Those are indicators, the things that break your heart, the things that you would pursue even if you didn't get paid, the things that exist that just light you up. Those are indicators of what your passion is. Paul writes about this in Romans 12, verses four through eight. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, there he is again, we're all different, we're all created to work together, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts, it's just reiterating that, for doing certain things well. The things we're passionate about are the things that we do well. It's the things that we give attention to. It's the things that we want to excel in. We want to learn all that we can. We want to do the best that we can. And so Paul says, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, 
then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. That's passion. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. That's passion. It's not like, yeah, I guess I'll serve a little bit when it's convenient. No, passionate people would serve to the nth degree. If your gift is, if, if, if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging over the top. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Paul is talking about passion. He says, once you've figured out what those gifts are, man, use them to their fullest ability. That is what passion is all about. Rich Wilkerson Jr. said this, He said, so often the thing that you're passionate about is the thing you're called to do. And right now it's starting to click for some people in their head. All right, my personality is this and my gifts are this and the thing that breaks my heart is this or the thing I get excited about is this and it's all starting to line up. And then you see that that our purpose is really another word that we use for it a lot of the time in the the evangelical Christian circle within the church is calling. We talk about calling. It's a thing that we are called to do. But how many of you know that there is a very real enemy out there that wants to stop at nothing to see to it that you don't fulfill the calling that God has placed in your life? You need to understand that the devil is not just going to sit idly by and go, okay, do it. He is going to fight you tooth and nail to keep you from fulfilling, knowing, and experiencing God's purpose for your life. And so there are some enemies, there are some some things that, that he puts out there that are working against you fulfilling that purpose. And, and I feel like if we can identify these, then we know what to look for. And so we can combat against them. So I'm going to tell you about these enemies. And then I'm going to tell you very simply how we can combat against them. Okay. So we, we've, we've discovered our personality. We've realized our gifts. We have an idea of what our passions are. That's starting to formulate an idea within our mind, within our heart of what our purpose is. And so now we know we're going to face opposition and adversity. Because the enemy does not want us to fulfill that purpose in our life. And so he's going to come at us with things like this. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the big ones. If you're taking notes, write this down. He's going to come at us with things like fear. Predominantly the fear of failure. If I step out and start to do this thing, I'm just going to fail. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to look like an idiot. And so we end up never taking that step because of fear. For a lot of us, it's insecurity. It's insecurity. We have these thoughts that go something like this. I don't know. Like, I don't, I could really never make a difference. There's nothing that I could do to make a difference. It wouldn't really matter. Or I have people say all the time, like, I could never do X, Y, Z. Or I could never do that as good as you do that. And you need to understand that the thing that you might say that to me or to someone else about, that there was a time when that person couldn't do that thing as good as that person can do that thing. 
And the only reason that they got so good at doing that thing is because they stepped out and just started to do that thing. Right? Have I become a better preacher over the past three years? Wait, don't answer that. Because that was dangerous right there. Very dangerous ground. It's just because you get up and you just do something, whatever it is. And maybe you wouldn't do this because it's not your calling. But there's probably something that you can do that there's no way that I could do it. And that's how the body of Christ works together. And if we're all doing our part and not saying, yeah, but it wouldn't really make a difference, it will make a difference. And as you do it, you'll get better at it and God will bless it because it honors him when you use your gifts to serve him. Instant gratification. Instant gratification is another enemy. Another enemy. Because a lot of the time, discovering our purpose, starting to realize our personality, our gifts, our passions, and beginning to put those things into practice, there's often a process in place. And many of us are simply not willing to endure the process. Because we live in a world that says, I want it and I want it now. Veruca Salt is king. I want the golden goose, you know, the whole thing from Willy Wonka. That's, that's the world that we live in. We see that thing and we want it. So we take a piece of plastic out of our pocket, we swipe it and it's ours. That's how it happens. And we want that same thing in our life when it comes to fulfilling God's purpose. But if it doesn't happen instantly for us, a lot of the time we will give up. So maybe it's fear, maybe it's insecurity, maybe it's instant gratification. Maybe it's just plain old selfishness. That the gifts that God has given you, you've decided to use for selfish gain and to make yourself get better instead of improving the lives of others and being a blessing to them. Maybe it's just resistance. There's just a reluctance within you to once and for all live open-handed and give God complete control of your life and allow him to use you. And you just push against that. Or maybe it's, this is a big one for a lot of people, the lack of ability. It's a lack of ability. You'd say, eh, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. Those are the lies that you fight. Those are the lies that you believed. You don't have what it takes. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You need to understand that God isn't concerned with our abilities. He's only concerned with our availability. And if we'll put ourselves out there, he's gonna, he's gonna deposit, he's gonna download some things in us that will allow us to be used for his glory. All it takes is a willing vessel. We got a willing vessel. It may be empty, but God's gonna fill it. So don't allow these things, these enemies of purpose to stand in the way of fulfilling God's purpose for your life and missing out on the blessings that come along with it. Don't allow those things to stand in the way. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake for the body of Christ. There's too many blessings that God wants to give you if we'll simply step out and be obedient to him and use what he's given us to make a difference in the world around us. But it all begins with us figuring out our personality, our gifts, our passions, and then squishing those things together to discover our purpose and moving forward in that direction, overcoming those enemies in the process. 
Maybe you're still here, you're, you're, you're still wondering. I, Pastor Blake, I just don't get it. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm still a little bit fuzzy on this whole purpose thing. Could you just spell it out for me just a little bit? And simply this right here, the big idea for today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our purpose is to know God and make him known. At the end of the day, that's as simple, that's like at the very core of it. Our purpose is to know God and to make him known. Know God and make him known. We've got a couple core values here. One of them is that generosity is our identity. Generosity is our identity. Whenever we begin to know God, we discover that he's generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son the most precious gift. The God we serve is a generous God and that means that if we're gonna become like him, guess what? We need to become generous as well. Become generous in our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony. In those four key areas, Proverbs 11, 25 says this about the generous. He says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That means when, when we step out in generosity and when we, when we model our life after God who has been generous to us and out of the overflow of the blessings that he's given us, that we bless others with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony, guess what? He's going to bless us back and give us any more, even more so that then we can go and we can bless other people in an even bigger way than before. And then because of that, we refresh others, then we get refreshed and it's just this cycle that we create that, that repeats itself over and over and over and over again in our lives as we become generous with our time, talent, treasure, and testimony. So our purpose is to know God and then make him known. That speaks to one of our other core values here, and it's that servanthood is our posture. Servanthood is our posture. The expectation is is that if you are a part of Christ's Walk Church, that you serve in some capacity. Because if you're not helping, then you're not helping. From the street to the seat to the stage and everywhere in between, that is the expectation. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 says, but Jesus called them, talking about his disciples, called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. In accordance with the people that follow Jesus, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. The fact of the matter is, is that we are never more like Jesus than when we serve someone else. That's the goal, to know God is to be a person of generosity because God's a person of generosity. To make him known is by serving others because that's what Jesus came to this earth to do, to serve, to give up his life as a ransom for many. Back when we lived in Georgia, there was a guy that attended the church that I was on staff at. And he felt the call in his life to be in full-time ministry, to pastor a church, because he was crazy. It's a joke. 
felt God's call in his life. He, he, for real, had a serious call of God on his life to, to pastor a church. But he was so frustrated. And I can remember one morning we had breakfast together. And he was just telling me, he said, you know, I've, I've gone here and I've, I've filled in for this pastor. And I've, I've gone here and I've served as an interim at this place. And, and on and on. And I've put myself out there and I've sent resumes and all of this stuff. And I've talked to the state overseer and everything to let them know, hey, I want a church. And these churches come open and it's opportunities and I'll interview and then nothing. Someone else gets it. Every single time, even the places that he had gone to serve as interim pastor, it seemed like time and time again, they just kept, they just kept hiring someone else. And I asked him, I looked him right in the eye with like all the courage and boldness of the Holy Spirit that I could muster. And I said, where are you serving at our church right now? And he said, well, to be honest, nowhere been trying to keep myself open for if the possibility arises that God would give me the opportunity to be the pastor at one of these other churches. And as directly but as lovingly as I could say it, I said, why in the world would you think God would ever put you as pastor of one of those churches when you're not even serving in the one that you attend now? So he started serving. Joined one of our teams. In a couple months, he got a call. He said, hey, there's a church over here. Needs a pastor. We'd like for you to come and be that pastor. See, if, if we'll align our lives with the things of God and we'll live his way instead of our way, then in time, God's purpose will be revealed in us. And up until that point, what you and I have the responsibility of doing is, is to simply point our arrow in God's direction and then just move forward in that direction. And if we'll commit to being people of generosity and servanthood, God's purpose eventually, over time, as we walk through the process, will come into complete crystal clear focus. In other words, I guess what I'm saying this morning is, is that if you show me someone who is living a life that is marked by generosity and servanthood, then I'll show you someone who's fulfilling God's purpose for their life. That's just how it works. So some questions for you to consider this morning as we bring this message to a close. Where do you need to become more generous? Where do you need to become more generous? I know that in my life, it's in that area of my testimony. God says, he, he's been really, really encouraging me. Come more generous in your testimony. I'm gonna share some of my testimony in next week's message. Where is it that you need to become more generous? Is it in your time? Is your schedule too packed that you just can't be generous? And you need to, you need to free up your time so that you can be more generous to the people around you with your time. Maybe it's your talent. Maybe some of you are sitting on a gift that you're just, it's going to waste. Maybe it's singing, playing an instrument, teaching a class, being involved in some capacity. There's something you got that not everybody has that you could contribute, but because you're not using it, it's just atrophying and going to waste. Maybe it's your treasure. Are you returning God's tithe? 
Are you giving of your offerings? Are you making an investment in the kingdom of God? We're gonna have an opportunity in a few weeks. We participate in our annual Heart for the House offering. I'm gonna be talking more about that next week as a part of the message to give some details, but it'd be a great opportunity for you to kickstart that in your life. Generosity by sowing a seed there as part of our Heart for the House offering. Maybe it's, maybe it's your testimony. Maybe you need to become more generous with sharing with other people what God is doing in your life to edify and encourage them, challenge them. So how's your, how's your generosity? What about that? Do you need to make a goal over this coming year to raise the bar there? What about your servanthood? On a scale of one to 10, if you had to take the pulse of yourself as a servant leader, how'd you rate yourself? Scale of one to 10. How's your attitude when it comes to serving? You serve other people, do you grumble? You stomp away, mutter things under your breath? What's your motive? Are you thinking, oh, I'm gonna serve this person because it's gonna give me leverage for something that I'm gonna need for them on the back end? And so you're just stocking up brownie points so that you can cash them in down the road? Are you taking advantage of every opportunity that the Lord is putting in your path? Or only the ones that are easy? Only the ones that other people will see because they're out in public? Are you giving 100% when you serve? Are you saying no, 87.2%, that's good enough for today? Are you going all in? When others view your life, when it, especially when it comes to the way that you serve, do they see Jesus? Like really, like ask yourself that. That's a tough question. But when others see your, when they view your life, do they see Jesus in the way that you serve? Do they see someone that has the true heart of a servant? wherever you rated yourself on that scale of one to 10, what could you do between now and the end of the year, just a few short weeks? What could you do to raise the needle in that area of your life? Where can you become more generous in this next year? What can you do between now and the end of the year to raise the needle in terms of your servanthood? You know, the number one reason that people never discover or ultimately fulfill their purpose in their life, you, you know, the number one reason because it's really hard. It's hard. God doesn't call us to do easy things. God calls us to something so much bigger than ourselves. And that's hard. And as a result, what happens is that we often just flounder around unfulfilled and eventually we buy into the lie that living a mediocre life is just the hand that we've been dealt as your pastor, as someone who loves you, who cares for you, I'm not looking for something from you. I want something for you. And God has not called you to live a life of mediocrity. God has called each and every one of you. He's placed gifts inside of you. He's given you passions and a purpose. He has called every single person to live for something more. And so today, my challenge, is let's choose to live God's purpose for our life and determine that we are going to become people whose lives are marked by generosity and servanthood. 
There is nothing more than I would want the people of this church to be known for in this community and beyond. Because man, those people that go to Christ walk, man, they are generous and they serve like Jesus. If we did that and we just chose to live that way, God's purpose would become uber clear right in front of us. And we would walk in blessings that you and I cannot even fathom at this moment. But it comes down to you making the decision. That's the kind of person that I'm going to be. That's the kind of person that I'm going to be. If you're ready to be that person, I want you to stand. We're going to get ready to worship. By standing, you're saying, yep, God, between... As you are my witness and these people that are surrounding me, I'm going to be a person of generosity and servanthood. I'm putting it all out there. That's how I'm going to live. That's how I want my life to be known and be marked by. If that's you, let's sing loud and proud and let's worship the Lord together.